Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Max program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson Wax products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. about Johnson's cream wax and what it will do for your light-colored furniture and woodwork and for your white refrigerator and kitchen things, Johnson's cream wax is quite different from either the paste or liquid wax. It's a creamy white liquid, easy to apply, takes a minimum of rubbing, and because it contains several cleaning ingredients, it does an amazing job of cleaning as it polishes. You'll have to use it yourself to appreciate how it makes fingerprints and smudges vanish like magic. But Johnson's Cream Wax does more than clean. It leaves a beautiful, lustrous wax polish that protects the surface against dirt and against wear. Cream Wax was developed especially for use on furniture and woodwork. Even if you already have the regular Johnson's Wax on your pantry shelf, we'd like to suggest that you buy a bottle of Johnson's Cream Wax and try it real soon. reason the people at 79 Wistful Vista have been happily married for so long is that everything's always been on a give-and-take basis, like right now at the breakfast table. He takes the news section of the paper and gives her the want ads. As we meet, Fibber McGee and Molly. Anything interesting in the want ads, Molly? Nothing but this item here. What's that? It says wanted. Hmm? Summer boarders in large country home by refined woman with glass-tin veranda and air conditioning. <laughs> she probably works for Ripley all winter. <laughs> hey, did old man Carstairs call me this morning? You mean the Mr. Carstairs? Yep. The one that's uh, chairman of more boards than you'd need to build a fence around South Dakota? Yep. The millionaire, Mr. Carstairs? Yep. Mrs. Carstairs' husband? Sure. What on earth would he be calling you for? Oh. <laughs> I and he have got a little deal on Oh, tell Mommy all about it, dearie. No, I can't. I can't tell about it, not till the deal is consummated. <laughs> you know, I think it'd be a great thing for Carstairs if he tied up with a guy like me. You do? Mm, somebody intelligent, dynamic, a go-getter. Oh, dear. Somebody he could come to any hour of the day or afternoon and say, Look, McGee, do you think we ought to amortize the common stock or reduce the fiscal debentures on the preferred? <laughs> At par? And what would you say? I'd laugh in his face. <laughs> and I'd send him out to play golf, and as soon as he was gone, I'd grab a dictionary and see what the Sam Hill adventure is. <laughs> my, my, isn't big business fascinating, yeah. though? I can just see you in a big oak paneled office in Wall Street, frowning at the ticker tape and wondering if you'd ever understand it. <laughs> I'd have been a big man in communications today if I hadn't run into union trouble. 
Labor? Western. <laughs> they said they couldn't use me without I had a bicycle. They said I could cover more ground with a bicycle, and then they looked at my feet and said, well... A little more, anyway. And I says, oh, is that so? Hello, no. Mr. McGee. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Oh, hello, Alice. Will you have a cup of coffee? Oh, no, thank you. I'm going out to take a sun bath, and if I drink coffee, I get so wide awake, the sun hurts my eyes. Oh. <laughs> I heard you answering the phone a couple of times this morning, Alice. Any of them for me? Yes, but they had the wrong Mr. McGee. Oh. Couldn't have been for you because it was Mr. Carstairs' secretary calling, and he's a big millionaire. <laughs> I told him not to be silly and hung up on him. Oh, my goodness, Alice. It was for Mr. McGee. Oh, creepers, Mr. McGee. I'm terribly oh, sorry. What? But how did I know that a millionaire like Mr. Carstairs would have anything to do with a little, uh, I mean, an unimportant, uh, that is... Uh, <laughs> Ah, uh, forget it, kid. <laughs> He'll call again. After all, when you've got a better mousetrap, every big cheese wants to get into it. <laughs> Himself here has got a big deal on with Mr. Carstairs, haven't you, dearie? Oh, it's not so much this time, but it may be the beginning of a very profitable association. I'll have to admit, Carstairs has got a talent for business. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. They say everything he touches turns to gold. Betcha. He patted me on the head once when I was a little girl, and now look at me. I'm a blonde. <laughs> I do hope you'll tell Mr. Carstairs about your plan for stabilizing the currency, McGee. Gee, have you got a plan for that, too, Mr. McGee? Oh, sure. You see, Alice, my child, the American dollar is worth different amounts in different places. Oh? I'd fix it so it'd be worth a dollar fifteen all over the world. <laughs> Sure, and the 15 cents would take care of taxes, leaving everybody a buck clear. Yeah, is that simple or is that simple? Oh, gee, that's a wonderful idea, Mr. Oh, I tell you, Alice, he's full of them. He had one to base our currency on lead instead of gold, too. Sure. Sure, then any time the country got in trouble, Washington would simply have to get the lead out. That's for the future. I wouldn't remember that. <laughs> Gee, you must have been a whiz at school, Mr. McGee. He wouldn't study, Alice. He was a very unruly boy. That there is a falsehood. <laughs> I was the ruliest kid in school, and you know it. I'd have led my class in math if it hadn't been for my music teacher. Miss Fiditch, huh? Mm -hmm. Well, now, how did your music teacher keep you from getting good grades in math? Well, I happened to be passing a cloakroom one day, and I saw Miss Fiditch kissing the math profs. Imagine it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there they were, mushing like a dog sled from Fairbanks. <laughs> the math prof was telling the music teacher how he loved her to 14 decimals. <laughs> and the music teacher was playing Ravel's Bolero on the back of his neck. <laughs> And I caught him. I caught him colder than a well digger's boots. <laughs> and they knew I'd seen him. Ah, uh, so you decided on a little blackmail. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I just slacked off in my homework, see? No use knocking myself out when I was a cinch to pass anyway. Uh, <laughs> so you kept their little secret and they passed you with high grade. Well, no. Two days before graduation, they told me they'd been married for three years and slapped me with a D minus. <laughs> Which goes to show you, Alice, it isn't the math that gets you. It's the aftermath. Always remember that. Yeah, and see where it gets you. Billy Mills the orchestra, and good, good, good.
Molly, did old man Carstairs call again? No, dearie. What'll I tell him if he does? You tell him you're my secretary and you'll see if I'm in. Yeah? Then when you get me, his secretary will keep you waiting a while. And then when you get Carstairs on the phone, I'll keep him waiting. That's the way us big businessmen impress each other with how busy we are, see? <laughs> and nobody wins but the telephone company. Oh, well, with a big deal like I and Carstairs have got on, you can't rush to the phone like a couple of schoolgirls fixing up a taffy pull. You've got to get some dignity into the thing so that... Oh, 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 there's Carstairs. Now grab the phone and make me hard to get, baby. I'll tell him you had to fly to England for a conference with uh, a Churchill, yeah. but you'll be back in 15 or 20 minutes, yeah. huh? <laughs> tell him that. Tell him anything. Just make me important, that's all. He's going to be... Oh, my goodness, I don't know what to say, McGee. Oh, I got it. Here, give me the phone. I'll give him a busy signal. Biz, 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 That did it. His secretary hung up like she'd been bit by a mongander. By a what? Mongander. That's a male mongoose. It's a very painful bite. I had one once that bit it. That's probably the phone company wanting to know who's playing horse with their busy signal. <laughs> That's maybe Carstairs himself. Hand me the financial section of the paper. Thanks. Come in. U.S. Steel closed at 4 p.m. <laughs> Not much activity with industry. Hello there, Mrs. Carstairs. Do come in. How do you do, my dear? Oh, good day, Mrs. Carstairs. Excuse my absent-mindedness. <laughs> Just running over a few stock market quotations. Mm, really? Are you a bear or a bull, Mr. McGee? He's an elk, Mrs. Carstairs. <laughs> I just dabble a bit in the market, Carsty. A few thousand shares here, a few thousand shares there. <laughs> I buy in at the peak and wait for a drop. <laughs> Silly, of course, but I find it rather amusing. <laughs> Do you have a seat on the exchange, Mr. McGee? No, but those blue serge pants he's wearing are about due for an exchange on the seat. <laughs> Oh, I'm afraid my wife is not very familiar with financial expressions, Karsty. <laughs> she thinks the corn exchange is a club for radio comedians. <laughs> so do I. Well, how is Mr. Carstairs these days? Mr. Carstairs is quite well, my dear, thank you. He has learned how to relax, you know, with his hobby. Oh, what is his hobby, Mrs. Carstairs? Collecting. Collecting what? Money. Well, yes, I can see how that might be quite fascinating uh, Tell me, Mrs. Carstairs, are you going out of town for the summer? Oh, yes, my dear I usually try to spend a few months away from the bustle and turmoil You may get away from your turmoil, Carstairs but McGee! With go for the summer, Mrs. Carstairs. Oh, we have a little cottage at the seashore, Mrs. McGee. Nothing elaborate, 19 rooms or so. <laughs> we uh, hope to add on to it when conditions permit. Oh, oh yeah. sure. 19 rooms at the seashore, that's just tobacco road with water wings. <laughs> well, don't be surprised if we drop in on you for a few weeks this summer, Carstairs. Oh, now, McGee, we don't even know where it is. I'll find it, don't worry. <laughs> I'm sure you would, Mr. McGee. It's just a stone's throw from the railroad, and I might say we keep a large supply of stones in the back of the station wagon. <laughs> well, good day, Mrs. McGee. Good day, Mrs. Carstairs. Goodbye. Oh, she's gone. <clears throat> you know, I think that's pretty pathetic. Her and old man Carstairs huddled together there all summer in them 19 rooms. Too bad. Ah, oh, well, I'd rather be poor, wouldn't you? No. Me either. <laughs> Hey, you think I ought to call old man Carstairs? I haven't the slightest idea, dearie. You haven't told me yet what your deal is with him. Oh, you'll find out in due time. Well, I hope it isn't the kind of a deal where you'll both do time. <laughs> I 
sir. This is strictly on the up and up, Mommy. Very legitimate operation. One of my smarter business ventures, I might say. Well, now, don't forget the time you put $300 in that nursery because you like children. And then found out you own 92 walnut trees. Uh-huh. <laughs> we had all the walnuts we could eat, didn't we? We never had any walnuts. Well, that's all we could eat. Neither of us likes walnuts. <laughs> Outside of that... Hello, folks. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. You'll excuse me if I have to duck out on short notice. Got a big deal pending with old man Carstairs. Oh, I'll be seeing him in just a few minutes at the Chamber of Commerce. I've got to get right down there and put on my makeup. Your makeup? Yes, I'm acting secretary. Oh, Oh, Waxy, that's awful. (laughs) I'm uh, giving the members a short talk on war bonds. But what can you tell them that they don't know about war bonds, Mr. Wilcox? Well, nothing, maybe, but I can repeat a few things that they might have forgotten, like the fact that victory in Europe is just the seventh-inning stretch and that we've got to stay in there and pitch to get our men home from the bases in the Pacific. I can emphasize the fact that every bond they buy in this seventh war loan is a Japanese obituary. And that it's no extravagance when our country has money to burn Tokyo. You going to say anything about when you buy a war bond, you're not doing anybody a favor but yourself, Junior? Or about how every extra bond you buy is another peg to hold down inflation? No, I'll cover that all right. But it can't be said too often that war bonds buy weapons. And the best investment in the world right now is the common stock of an American rifle. Well, I got to get going. See you later, folks. Maybe I should have went with him and seen old Carstairs down at the Chamber of Commerce. That would be against your policy of playing hard to get, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Isn't it good business to make the small man come to see the big man? Yeah, 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 you're right, Molly. After all, he don't know how much money we got. For all he knows, we, we might be multimillionaires, just like simple living. Sure. Yeah. We gave up our private yacht because the smell of brass polish makes you sneeze. Huh? <laughs> because, hey, wait a minute. Does Johnson make a brass polish? Oh, my goodness, I don't know. Well, take it easy till we find out. <laughs> We're liable to wisecrack ourselves right into the cornflake business or something. Gee <laughs> whiz, you can't do... Come in. Oh, hello, Dr. Gamble. Hello, Molly. Hello, eager weasel. <laughs> the expression is eager beaver, doctor. I know, but a beaver has a flat tail. <laughs> touche, McGee. Uh, touche, I'll touche him riding one right on his big fat proboscis. <laughs> proboscis means nose, doesn't it, Doctor? It's proboscis, my boy. Uh, the sea is silent like a husband in a millinery shop. <laughs> it's from the Latin pro and the Greek boscane to feed and properly used refers to the trunk of an elephant. It is not a correct reference to the human schnozola or beezer, except in a humorous context. Heavenly days, Doctor. You're a regular walking encyclopedia. You said it, sister. He walks exactly like an encyclopedia. <laughs> a thick one with stiff covers. Six volumes. You hurt me, my dear fellow. Well, if I am slightly muscle-bound, it's because I... If I'm slightly muscled down, it's because I was a well-known athlete in college. Yeah, I hear you got caught in some pretty low dives when you were on the swimming team. <laughs> oh, were you really a great athlete, Doctor? I was a lousy athlete, but I was well-known. I held the record for the shot put at one time, however. The shot put, eh? What'd mm-hmm. you use, BBs? <laughs> Being somewhat of a psychologist, gopher puss, 
I realize that your scoffing attitude is due to a subconscious realization of your own physical shortcomings. Oh, you're not saying that just because you admire me. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> In fact, you were probably turned down by the track coach for having two left feet. Oh, well, now, listen, he made the basketball team, Doctor. With two left feet? A likely story. Why, well, he hasn't dribbled with any success since he was six months old. <laughs> Furthermore, he couldn't shoot a basket with a Tommy gun. Now, just a darn minute, you big iodine artist. Who was it in the last quarter of the big football game between Peoria and Joliet in 1911 that saved the game by running 210 yards for a touchdown? 210 yards? Yeah. Where were you playing, in the Mojave Desert? He had to run around the field twice, Doctor. Yeah, I had mud in my eyes and couldn't see where I was going. Remember that, Molly? Oh, I do indeed. <laughs> The rest of the team must have had mud in their eyes, too. Hmm? They carried the goalposts out on their shoulders and tried to make a bonfire out of McGee. Yes, and everybody said I was... Oh, my gosh. My call. I'll see you later, Doc. Oh, I'm not going. I wouldn't miss a word of any phone call that gets you this excited. Go ahead, answer it. This is a personal call, Doc. Go on, beat it. Go home. It's a business matter, Doctor. Well, I hope he doesn't mumble. I don't want to miss any of it. Oh, my. Gee whiz, Doc. Go on, go on, answer the phone. Hurry up. Oh, sure. I'm listening. Hello? Oh, hello there, Carstairs. Yes. Huh? No, I've been busy all day with them Argentina municipal bond issues. Yeah. Incidentally, keep your eye on international soybean, Carstairs. There's something going on there. Huh? Yeah. Though the Morgan crowd might give us a little trouble. Isn't this nauseating? Hush, Doctor, hush. What say, Carstairs? Yeah, I thought it all over. I'm game to go through with my end of it. Meet me where? Under the third lamppost, west of 14th. Oak. Heavenly days, this is exciting, isn't it? Yeah, in a dull sort of way. I'll be there on the dock, Carstairs. I'll be wearing a buttonhole in my carnation and my eyes pulled down over my hat. <laughs> you whistle three times in a low voice, see? And I'll blink my flashlight twice. Yeah. Now, look, Carstairs. Take it easy. We don't want any slips. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. 
Miss McGee, why all the mystery about your deal with Mr. Carstairs? Old man Carstairs don't often handle deals personal, see? He usually sends an adversary to act for him. You mean he sends an emissary? Why do I? An emissary is where soldiers buy chocolate bars and stuff at an army camp. That's a commissary. I thought a commissary was a camel with two humps. <laughs> You're thinking of a dromedary. Go on, dromedaries are dates. I've eaten tons of them. It's just a brand of dates. Well, then what's an adversary? An enemy. That's ridiculous. Why should Carstairs send an enemy to see me? I didn't say that, sweetheart. You said it. Well, I better be careful, that's all. <laughs> I'm liable to blow this whole thing higher than a kite. Well, I gotta be off any minute now. How do I look? All right, but you should have a hanky peeking out of your breast pocket. It'll look dressier. Where is they one? Uh, the laundry's just back. Uh, Beulah'll give you one. Oh, Beulah! Beulah! Somebody bow for Beulah? <laughs> Talking about a fresh hanky for Mr. McGee. Yeah, yeah. One with your initials on, too. <laughs> well, thanks, Beulah. What's so funny about a handkerchief with his initials on it, Beulah? Oh, excuse me, ma'am, but I hardly like to say Oh, come on, Beulah. What's the joke? I think these initials are pretty handsome. A little on the big side, but nice. Well, well sir, you see. <clears throat> When the lion man handed me that hanky, he looked at the initials, F.M., and he said, <laughs> He said, Oh, Beulah, what did he say? He said, Give this to the little field mouth. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't think that's very funny. Just for that crack, I got a good notion to change laundries. You better not, sir. You'll be biting off your pillowcases to spite your shirts. <laughs> Well, the other liners ain't taking no new clients. Just laugh it off, McGee. And you better be going if you're meeting Mr. Carstairs. My goodness, Miss McGee. You got a date to meet Mr. Carstairs? He sure is traveling in rich company. Oh, his dough don't impress me any, Beulah. Money ain't everything. What ain't it? <laughs> I think character's more important than money, Beulah. Maybe, ma'am, but with a little cold cash, I could be an awful hot character. <laughs> Now, don't tell anybody about me having a deal with Carstairs, Beulah. It's little things like that that affect the whole financial structure. No, sir, I know how it is. I really do. Because I, I lost everything in a crash in 1929. What kind of stocks did you have, Beulah? Lyle, man, with cotton top, size nine. She said stocks, Beulah, not socks. Oh, well. Well, I was mostly in electric futilities. Ah, uh, utilities, Beulah. Futility means hopeless. You said it, ma'am. <laughs> well, any, anyway, now, not a word about this to anybody, Beulah. This is strictly hush-hush. If Wall Street knew I was operating with car stairs, the English pound would drop to three ounces. It can't drop to three ounces because it's six... Oh, look at here. <laughs> Good luck with your deal, dearie. Oh, this one can't miss, Tootsie. I know what I'm doing this time. I'll tell you all about it when I get back. Wait a minute. You didn't kiss me goodbye. Huh? Oh, goodbye. Oh, had a little moth, and his name was Ernie. Flew through a flame, and Ernie Bernie. <laughs> now, let me see. Third lamppost, he says. One, two. Ah, this is it. Ah. 
Far stairs? Yeah, is that you, McGee? Yeah. Didn't know you in that turtleneck sweater. Thought you were a turtle. <laughs> you sure you weren't followed, Carstairs? Nobody could follow me, McGee. Swung through the branches of the trees for three blocks. <laughs> Smart tactics, Carstairs. That's the kind of thinking I like to find in men I work with. Yeah. You, uh, you bring that thing? Yeah. You, uh, have the money? Right here. Seventy-five bucks. Countrified check. You mean certified. Countrified. I got it at the Farmer's National. Oh. Now look, Carstairs. You guarantee I'll eventually get a definite hundred bucks for this? Why, certainly. That's a war bond, man. Surest investment in the world. Here, take it. Thanks. Believe me, I'd never have delivered it personally if I weren't chairman of the committee and want to be sure I get over my quota. Thanks very much, McGee. That's okay, Carsty. Glad to do business with you. See you again. Not necessarily. Hmm. What a deal. What a deal. A hundred bucks for 75. And guaranteed, too, by the government. Yes, sir. Smartest investment I ever made. How about you, folks? There's no fun driving a dull, dingy-looking car. And there's no need to when you can still get Johnson's Car New. Now, you've heard about Car New, but perhaps you haven't tried it. And you don't realize that it does two jobs at once, both cleans and polishes, with one application. That's one reason it's so easy to use. Another reason is that it's a liquid, and you apply it with a cloth with just enough rubbing to loosen the dirt and grime. Then Car New dries to a powder. And you wipe this off to find that long-forgotten, beautiful finish. That showroom shine that gave you a little thrill when the car was still new. Yes, your car looks like new when you use car new. That's a common saying among car owners from coast to coast. But don't take my word for it. Not while you can still ask your dealer for one package of Johnson's Car New, please. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce Mr. Charles Buckmeyer, aide to the National Commander of the Catholic War Veterans. Mr. Buckmeyer. Thank you, Mr. Wilcox. Ladies and gentlemen, by the power vested in me by the National Commander, McCaffrey, and as past commander of the Los Angeles Post, I am happy to present the annual National Commander's citation to Fribber McGee and Molly. The citation reads, to the beloved Fibber McGee and Molly of America's Millions in recognition of their successful efforts to lighten the burdens of American people in a time of great ordeal through understanding and clean comedy and in acknowledgement of their accomplishment in portraying the American home through gentle humor and true dignity as a great source of our national strength. Mr. Buckmeyer, 
Thank you very much. We're very proud to accept this citation. And we're sorry we couldn't be in New York tomorrow night to receive it at the National Military Pageant. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company.